This is one of the first songs that I ever wrote, and um, I wrote it when I was 12. It's called The Outside. Yes, yes, yes. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. That was a very young country music artist named Taylor Swift. It is good to be out of the garage and into the living room, buddy. Yeah, it's, it's a freezing. lot warmer in here. Absolutely. We're talking about what the only topic in America seems to be right now. There's Well, there's two things. There's politics a little bit, and then there's Taylor Swift a lot. The Taylor Swift effect. Are you a, are you a fan? I am not a fan. So You don't have a favorite song? Obviously, I'm not a Swifty. No, no favorite song. In fact, when I was looking for a song for the promo, I had to ask my daughter, what are some song titles so that I could look them up and uh, put something in? Well, I'll give you a song. Yeah. Right, I'm going to give you a song. I'm donating a song to you. Haters gonna hate. Actually, I don't even think that's the title. No, it sounds <laughs> like a line. Title. And you've referenced it several times. I, I have, man. I have. That's my favorite line. Is that "Shake It Off"? Yeah. Get out of town. Yeah. Uh, that is one my daughter uh, recommends, so that's how I know that. Hey, uh, the uh, intro to today's show had a very young Taylor Swift, as I was saying. You know, that was the first song she ever sang, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I think it was the first not, one she wrote. Uh, the first one she wrote. Yeah. yeah. 12 years old when she wrote that. I think she performed it at 16. Now, I'm sure our guest who's coming on in a bit is going to He'll have know. a lot to say about He'll a know. young Taylor Swift, right? Yeah. All I know about her is that she was, I guess, relatively young and obscure when she came out. She was trying to make her way in country music, I think. Yep. She had some collaborations with artists like Tim Well, Carl I mean, everybody's kind of obscure when they come out, yeah, right? Yeah. I just mean she, that there didn't seem to be this like overnight success, this meteoric no, no. rise. And I mean, for the the true fans, I'm sure that they would say, well, it's never been overnight or meteoric, right? It's been sort of slow growing, and then it's culminated lately into this. Well, now it's this, meteoric, this yeah. yeah. But um, it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. Um, and that's something I wanted to ask you is like, do you think that there is a ceiling to the Taylor Swift effect? I think Maybe. there's a ceiling to everything. I think that at some point, you know, you can only you can only go so high, right? But um, I don't know that we're near it. I don't know uh, that we have seen it. Maybe we've already seen it. I don't know. But uh, I mean, certainly, if a billion dollars on your first big like global concert tour. Actually, the first one was American, right? That Eras tour that that just we're, we're still in the Eras tour. Yeah, that was the first leg of the Eras. That was tour. the first it was, leg. It was just yeah. uh, it was just here in America, I believe. Yeah, it was. And it now was. she's gonna take now it. She's taking a global tour, and then uh, it ends, I think, next year in uh, Toronto. Yeah. Or that's maybe that was a further billion, down. I don't billion know. dollars, right? It's uh, alleged that she's earned off of that tour. So far. yeah, she's. I think she eclipsed the billion dollar mark um, mm. when she was in South America. I think that's I mean, when she no, went over that number. And I don't think there's a doubt how successful this young lady is. Right, thirty four years old, already a billionaire, um, but. I think the thing that interests me as someone in psychology and I think may interest some of um, our listeners is just what it means to be such a an icon, right? How do you become not just successful, not just famous, but literally on the scale of an Elvis Presley or a Beatles? Um, and, and some would argue, I imagine, that she's bigger than Elvis, bigger than the Beatles ever were. What do you think about that? Well, I think as a historian, what I'm so interested in, and you know, I've Listen to a lot of her music because I have to. I have two daughters, um, you know, one's 16, oh, one's 14. Oh, doing your research, I see. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. absolutely. When your wife looks on the, uh, the uh, computer nothing, and sees all the Taylor but Swift. Taylor downloads. Taylor Swift. Nothing but like, Taylor downloads. What are you doing, Nelson? Like, oh, no, I've got to stay up, stay in the know for my kids. Why? Well, you know, I, I, I like that. I like that part of being a father. Mm -hmm. um, I like being able to find a way to connect with my daughters on topics. Snoop that in, make might sure not that they're, be... they're listening to the right kind of music. No, no, just not Idolizing being... the right kind of uh, people. You know, I will be honest and say that though I'm not a huge fan of her music, I don't mind it. I, I like all music, right? right. Uh, but there are worse people to try to emulate. Yeah. You know, there are worse people to try to emulate. But in terms of a historical analog, 
the the weirdest thing and kind of the most unsettling thing for me is there is none. There oh. is no historical analog here. Uh, a Beatles tour, um, you know, Beatlemania, Elvis, uh, and, you know, his music in the 1950s. There's no real point of comparison here and in terms of uh, global connectivity, uh, in terms of the moment in which we find ourselves culturally. Uh, we are in uncharted territory, historically speaking. Now, why do you think that is? Is it possible that... Um, the media machine that she has at her disposal makes it a little easier for her to resonate and permeate, I should say. I think uh, that's part of it. I think that's part of it. The Beatles had, right, some television. They had some opportunities to go on some of those old black and white television shows, Elvis likewise. But, I mean, with Taylor, she's she's grown up with the Internet. She's grown up with 4G. Twitter. Twitter. I I think that's part of it. But But I I guess at the same time, there have been some really good artists who have been able to parlay... Right, their talent, their their entrepreneurship, their sure. cultural relevance. Look, I, I'm not going to pretend to be a music critic no. or uh, an expert in the music genre right. or pop culture in general. Yeah. What I can say is that, and I think maybe you'd agree, mm. and I'm sure we're going to get hate. Mm. Oh, man, a lot of shade going to be thrown our way. But I don't even think she is the best lyricist. or I mean, not lyricist, I'm sorry, vocalist. I don't think she's like the best vocalist mm. out there. So I think something else is driving the connection that her fans feel toward her. And and I'm not really sure what that is. Yeah. Maybe you can speak more to that. But I, don't know. You know, I do know that I've her asked that songs of many of of many of my students and, like and what is it, and, right? And, and the ones who like her, the ones that I guess would be Swifties since they're willing to pay thousands of dollars to go to concerts, say that, oh no, no, she she's an amazing vocalist. She's got amazing range. She is a good vocalist. She's, she's a great vocalist. I, I think I asked one of my students in class the other day about whether or not she thought Taylor Swift was as vocally talented as someone like Adele. She's far and away more talented than Adele. And I said, no, 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 let me make sure you understand what I'm asking. Do you believe vocally she's more talented? I don't mean the lyrics themselves. I don't mean as a songwriter. I don't mean having songs that are catchy or dancing in a certain way. I mean her actual vocalizations, uh, her her tone, her, right? And and a couple of people were like, absolutely, she's the best. And I wonder, is, See, well, is that just... Fanatic, right, is that, a fan is short for fanatic. Yeah, is that... That's just losing all objectivity, yeah, in my yeah. personal opinion. I, and I that would, is not a knock. Uh, there's only one Adele, right? right? I mean, there's... You can't you can't be Adele. You yeah. can only be who you are. Yeah. And, you know, to her credit, she seems to be a very good version of herself. And I think, to me, that's what speaks to the, the connection is... Her authenticity, perhaps. Her, her authenticity and that she's she writes her own songs. Yeah. I think there are songs that almost every woman in particular, uh, maybe everybody, but certainly... Can connect with. In they can way. connect with. There are songs about growing up. There are songs about breaking up. Uh, there are songs about all sorts of different pains and losses. And, and not just on a micro level either, right? Like She's no, not, not just exactly. talking about her life. Obviously, she's lived a relatively privileged life. From privileged life, from my understanding, um, her father was relatively wealthy. I think he spotted her about three hundred thousand dollars to start her own record label. Right? I mean, good for him. Like um, we all would. So it's not like she really grew up with that kind of pain and that kind of trauma that she's carrying with her, like many artists. However, I would say we all have our own pain. I would say that um, she has spoken to a generation, from my perspective, about things that connect us. Or divide us all. You know, there's there's questions of politics. There's questions of equity. There's questions of civil rights. And I think her music touches on a lot of those themes. And I'm hoping that the professor that I'm going to interview a little later um, in the episode will will speak to that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I um, I'll be honest. I was really slow to to come around. I'm, I'm a cynic by nature, I think. I don't know if I'm a cynic. I'm a skeptic. So, you know, I'll admit I was uh, skeptical when all of this started. So I came into this as a, as a dad, as a, as a parent with all of this stuff going on. And my daughter comes up to me and this was right when the concert tickets are going on sale. And I didn't even know like she was a big, big fan, right? Mm. And it Certainly was... didn't know she was a Swifty, whatever that is. Yeah. And it was, I really got to go. I really got to go. I really got to Okay, well... So we start looking at tickets. Um, 
we start planning. We were already in the midst of planning. By the way, when you when you first started looking at these tickets, you got a ticket master somewhere like that, right? One of these. We did. We did. Well, and no, she tried to sign up for the thing where she can get them at face get value. The, and get the early alert or whatever. Be among the first. She, to get them. We tried. Well, let me ask you, what were you thinking? Had you already heard how much those things were going for? Or no. Did you have an Did you have an idea beforehand? I mean, I had an idea because what, what of concerts. Like I know what concerts cost. I know what resale costs. At least you costs. thought you, you thought you knew. You know the we got them so early okay. that I would say that the first set we got right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. So we knew we were going to be in L.A. this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew we were going to be at SoFi Stadium, and it matched up. So we ended up getting these tickets at SoFi. Mm-hmm. The worst seats in the house, I can promise you. I did not go. I, we bought three of them. Mm-hmm. The worst seats in the house and were for like... for both your daughters and your wife? Yeah, both my kids and my wife. Are both your kids uh, Taylor Swift fans? Or just I would one, say... Or one more than the other? Here's what my oldest would tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, her number one artist... Mm-hmm was Taylor Swift. Because you know on Apple at the end, that iTunes, at the end of the year, it'll, you can see your number one. Yeah, your now, iTunes and review orders. Part of that could have been my uh, my youngest daughter forced my oldest daughter to play it. Yeah. But she says she's a big, I mean, she likes Taylor Swift. Okay. Um, the whole family, you know, listens in the car all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. But I think that was my first reaction was like, man, this is ridiculous. Like paying $1,500. You know, obviously trying to be supportive. Um. And try to be understanding. My family is very diverse in its interest. I'm a big sports fan. My oldest is a big sports fan. You ever paid fifteen hundred dollars to see a sporting event? I would. I, I mean, for for what Connecticut, event? Connecticut right? gets for the, the uh, national. Yeah, I'd pay fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, and you get courtside. Uh, not, not per ticket. Courtside. I wouldn't need courtside. Worst seats in the house. Well, 15, I'd go fifteen hundred dollars to get the VIP pass. Go back. And no, I would just pay. Celebrate the no, I would pay fifteen hundred dollars to get in the building and sit in the worst seat in the house. I'd pay fifteen hundred dollars to give them uh, them boys some counseling when they lose to Duke this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, they should pay you. Right? Yeah. That's your job. Uh, uh, but we they they end up going, and as we're getting ready for uh, SoFi Stadium, she sold out six. Uh, events, six shows at SoFi Stadium, and the resale was going higher and higher and higher every minute of every day. Yeah, as the tickets got more scarce, I guess the resale value went up, right? Yeah, and SoFi kind of capped the whole thing in the United States, right? And so they were kind of lucky to... What do you mean? How did they do that? I mean, that was the last set of shows in the United States before oh, like a long they break. The ticket prices. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm saying that was like the, the cap of her, her tour right. in the U.S. Uh, for... For that period. This so, was the bookend, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, so August comes around, and as we're going through the process of getting ready for the show, mm-hmm. my daughter would come down every weekend at like 12 o'clock at night. Okay, these are the secret songs. I was going to say, these did, are the you secret to learn, songs. did you have to learn dances? Did you have to learn They did. Like, they did. You know, they had the yeah. set list secret, and everything. And they had, they had a, she had a list. Yeah. She actually had an entire diagram of the secret songs. She was marking them off as she went, which ones she wanted, her top 10 list. Like she would come down screaming, I can't believe I just lost this song. And I'll, again, I was I was kind of like, oh my God, this is this is an obsession. Like yeah. this is getting It ridiculous. sounds almost conspiratorial, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> like there's hidden messages and things. Do your daughters believe that there's hidden messages? No. Do, does your no. daughter believe that Taylor puts things out that only maybe the most ardent Swifty would know. I think she believes that. I think I don't, and maybe that's true. I don't know. Maybe she does. I don't. I don't know. I mean, she does try to decipher meaning from like certain messages, certain mm-hmm. posts. As we're going through this process, I started to realize, you know, it's into the summer in June, into July. I see, you know, man, this is. Uh, maybe I've been a little too cynical. This is bigger than my daughter's. Um, excitement or obsession with one thing. Yeah. This is becoming cultural. This and this is like mass hysteria now. And now, having gotten them into SoFi Stadium to be a part of it, I feel like they were a part of something uh, a year. Now Taylor Swift's been, uh, you know, Times Person of the Year. That they More were popular than Jesus. They were going to be. Or, they're going to be a part of something that people look back at and say that was that was the wallflower or yeah. the wall. That was um, the Wailing Wall. No. <laughs> No, uh, it is kind of like a religious experience from what I understand. Yeah, no, but people are going to say, you know, that was that was like the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of these big events that um, that people will always remember being a part of. And so it is kind of special, I think, for them to, to have gone and for my daughter to be going yeah. again. Now, as you said, um, there's little about Taylor Swift that you that you know of or that you can think of or that you recognize just kind of watching her and listen to your daughters, listen to the music that 
uh, you feel um, skeptical or bad about. Like you, you said, there's obviously people that your daughter could idolize that would be worse. Um, is there a dark side to Taylor Swift that you can think of? Do you believe there is? Do you believe? Um, I mean, I'm not talking about <laughs> these, these, these conspiracy theorists that say she's part of like a government cabal or she's a psyop now. We, I think we, that would be a better, I think that would be a better question for you. I mean, I'll be honest. I can't really think of a lot of damage that a, yeah. a pop cultural icon has done uh, in history. So, but I, I do think that anybody with well, that type depends, of following, right? like, I mean, you know, you've got, could be you've dangerous. Got, you've got some artists that had pretty big followings that sort of threw their um, influence around recklessly and said things that hurt people and divided people. I can think of, you know, a few off the top of my head, Kid Rock, apologies to anybody who's a Kid Rock fan, Morgan Whalen, um, perhaps using the N word. You don't, you don't see anything like that with Taylor Swift though. She seems to always be on. She seems to, always know what to say. She seems to always, you know, know how to carry herself. I mean, even when she's dancing, she's so just perfect and spot on every time the camera's on her. And it doesn't look like she's putting on a fake smile. You know, from all the, the cutaways at the football games that I see, she looks quite normal and natural. Like maybe that's why anybody I, USA, and maybe that's part of her appeal. Maybe that's why I'm so cynical. Why well, I don't, I don't understand how somebody could, could feel that. Um, I don't think if I reach those heights that I would feel gratitude, um, for my fame, mm -hmm. I think it would irritate me and I think I'd be tired mm -hmm. and I don't know. I never see that from her. Maybe she's just really good at uh, compartmentalizing, you know, those or maybe areas. Maybe she puts it all in her music. Maybe she does. Or, uh, or, maybe she does. Or maybe she lets the haters hate. So we've been talking about Taylor Swift and the effect she has had and continues to have, not just here in America, but globally. Uh, she seems to be changing the sort of cultural tide. Some of her fans, they say that she's the perfect person for this movement. Talented, tolerant, progressive in her ideal, empathetic, and carries her fame very modestly and humbly. As a historian, why would you be interested in this whether you have answers or not, what are some of the questions that a historian might might be interested in? So when mm -hmm. I teach history, I bring in a lot of sociology. I bring in psychology. Okay. I bring a lot of anthropology. And I'm actually curious beyond the, the sheer numbers, the multitude nope. of fans, the economic impact. I'm, interest, I'm interested about the, the why and the reasoning behind it. And I think it's possible that we have just found ourselves in a moment um, and... I don't think it's reflected in our well, politics. We're desperate for some. some we are. Savior, we're desperate, desperate for, for something good. Well, you know, I mean, look. What is the? Uh, you know, what the number one show was for for comedies uh, this past this past year? It was Ted Lasso, right? Oh, I was going to say CNN or no. Fox I mean, News. like for comedy. Oh, for comedy. Yeah, yeah. not a lot of light. I, ha I have to laugh at it because otherwise I'd go crazy, right? Well, I, otherwise you'd cry. Mm. And here comes this artist who is singing very emotional songs, mm. right? And I think that's another key too. All of her songs are songs that you can sing to. Mm -hmm. I think that's really and you, and you important. Can, and you can feel it. And you, yeah, you can. I, I can sing to those songs. Sure. I was watching UConn last night. They beat Creighton. I know you won't be surprised. No. Um, or dominated Creighton, I should say. Sure. But uh, Donovan Klingon, their seven foot two. Yeah, he came back. Uh, sophomore was sitting there in a break, rocking out with the entire crowd to Taylor Swift. He's was sitting he really? there, yeah, singing "You Belong to Me." Uh, which is, you know, it, it sort of speaks it's quaint. to. <laughs> I just think that we do, as a culture, find ourselves at a moment where we're just hungering for something positive and something good, um, maybe something that makes us remember um, our collective humanity. Well, Taylor um, Swift, um, I mean, there's no reason to believe that she has to be the one to do it. I mean, she no. maybe she is doing it. No. But, you know, I wonder why hasn't other artists resonate in this way? Why hasn't other celebrities resonate in this way? I mean, there have been quite a few people out there that have seemingly tried to change the uh, cultural milieu. I mean, I think about um, Michelle Obama. 
I think about Dolly Parton. I mean, these are some really strong, um, independent, progressive, empathetic, uh, tolerant, um, very smart women, right, that are out there doing good work. No yeah, doubt, sure. But just really have never caught fire quite the way a Taylor Swift catches fire. When it comes to history, I, uh, and just as a historian, I am not quick mm-hmm. uh, at all to dismiss the relevance, the power, and the importance of art and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it can Maybe tell music us. music in particular. Music in particular. And what it can tell us about uh, what a society, what a civilization is going through at a given moment. Yeah. I mean, and you can go all the way back through you know, just look at some of the earliest works like uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh, right? Mm. You could go back and look at uh, Shakespeare. You look at look at Dickens. These people were writing fiction. Or you look at, you know, our books like The Great Gatsby. There's fiction there, obviously. it's They're interesting, fun stories with vibrant characters. But it connects. It connects to the time. Mm. And I think she has found a way through her, through years and years, right, through 16 years of music to, she's found a way to connect. Of curating uh, people's tears and memes and yeah. text messages and, and, and tweets over the internet. And if you want a political analog, and I could try to find a few for you, yeah, I, I, was think, ask that next. I think Barack Obama's uh, sudden and meteoric rise starting in 2004 with that incredible convention speech, yeah. what was he saying? He was saying, we're all connected, we're all together together. Um, and, and he was making people feel that it making resonated. Making them feel that hope, right? Yeah. And then uh, you, you can go back further in history, and I think uh, Theodore Roosevelt um, was our first entertainment president. He was a president. He was a celebrity president, which mm. was very new. Um, I think he changed the presidency um, to a large extent Damn with him. that regard. Yeah, the Damn celebrity him. president set the precedent. The president set the precedent for like a a, a celebrity president. Well, you know, I think uh, I. Th- think Taylor Swift, if she chose to become political, uh, would either do very, very well or, um, you know, I, or completely fall she, on her face and lose all. I think she would completely fall on her face when it came to her music, but I think she could do very well. There's a lot of people who support her who are involved and invested in all sorts of entertainments and pop culture issues. So a Taylor Swift for would, a school board or Taylor Swift for what? No, um, president. State con- Oh, president. Now, uh, my daughter, wait, I, I asked my daughter I, the other I night not how old Taylor Swift is. She said, Taylor Swift was born December 13th, you know, 1980, Everybody whatever. Everybody seems and she's, to know that. Yeah, and she's uh, 34 years old. And I'm like, well, she, she couldn't run for president this time around, could she? She's yeah, she 35. can. She can run for president. How so? Well, she would become 35 by the time of her inauguration day. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah. Okay. So as to, long as you're 35 by the inauguration day. Yeah, Joe Biden was actually 29 when he was elected to the U.S. Senate. And, and he, be, he turned 30 okay. in between. In the meantime, in between time. I think uh-huh. that's correct. I have to go back and look that up. Yeah. So politically speaking, you think Taylor Swift could do pretty well in a, in a run for, in a bid for president? I do. I don't think she'd want to. Why would you give up fame and... Well, I mean, and and perhaps you can speak a little bit to this. Do you think in some ways she has more power and influence as an artist? 100%, at least when you're talking about the power and influence for for good. Yeah, you're talking about, you know, any analog. But there's, we don't have to theorize or look back in history when we talk about psychology. What do you you think? What do you think it is? Have you ever seen anything like this in psychology? What is it that draws us to a a team or an artist or yeah. a movement. I think first of all, there is a human desire evolutionarily to form groups and form relatively big groups. It's important to be a part of something that's bigger than you. There's safety, there's security in that. And I think if that movement is pushing a positive message message um, it's making people feel good, making people feel welcome, making people feel successful. I think that's going to resonate even more. So there's a there's a bit of tribalism there. I think she's tapping into that that us. And I, and I hesitate to say um, this, but there's also obviously a dark side of tribalism, right? We we've heard about political polarization. We've heard about um, discrimination. We hear about uh, things like. Um, them, us versus them. And certainly when it comes to politics, you can have popular um, politicians. I think about Donald Trump in particular, who, you know, 
he's doing quite well uh, amassing an audience, amassing a fandom, if you will. But he's doing it in a very different way, isn't he? I mean, he's not really pushing a positive message. He's pointing out how terrible things are. He's pointing out how we're going to hell in a handbasket. And he's pointing out conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory. And he's getting a pretty big following. But I'd argue not nearly the following. I bet he doesn't have nearly the the social media um, bona fides that a Taylor Swift has. Real heroes to people. The kind of people that we idolize because we think they're better than us. We think that they're better versions of even the best people that we think can lead us into the promised land that can help us grow psychologically. And it seems like you amass a much larger audience and a much much larger support system if you're promoting something positive. Um, so I think with politics, I thought that was President and, Obama's and message somewhat. But you know, then he but he still did some things that I mean, we could we could argue this until the cows come on. But but he still did some things or didn't do some things to make everybody feel included, right? Like he he still he didn't not the way Taylor Swift does, right? Like you you never hear her talk negatively about any group. You never hear her favor one brand or one click or one yeah but as i've mentioned in the podcast many times Mm -hmm. we don't vote based on what people say necessarily we vote vote from our emotions we vote based on if we like the person or not Mm -hmm. um so i I actually think that a a person like taylor swift could likely lead her parade in any way that she would definitely how many how many people how many people she could ever be as popular politically as someone like a Donald Trump. She could lead the Republicans too? No, no, I don't think so. She's not negative enough, not nasty enough. I disagree. Not cynical enough. I didn't think Republicans were until until President Trump made several of them that way. I don't, I think, you know, I I don't think anything is permanent, especially in politics, but I I do, I do think that, um, I do think she'd have uh, some, some interesting, uh, interesting things to say. Like I said, I, I doubt she would ever do that, but how many people became Chiefs fans? Just because Taylor Swift is Absolutely. dating a chief. I mean, think about the effect she's having on people, right? There's probably moms out there, right? Soccer well, you, moms you hear, only out there. Do you know what the like, number one jersey? I hate football. I'm never going to let my kids play football. And now all of a sudden they're rethinking well, yeah, I've heard that. that now too. all of a sudden they're watching football. And yeah. Do you know what the number one selling jersey was? Probably this year? 87. Probably 87 Kelsey. red. You know what the number two jersey was? Probably Taylor Swift. No. Jason Kelsey. Jason, Jason Kelsey. Kelsey. Not, they pod- got confused, probably. Yeah. Probably that's my thought. But yeah, they had the and their their podcast went from like I don't know eighty seventh. <laughs> yeah, about like from to like, to like number one. Yeah, I think that's where to number ours one eighty seven. Right, and wh- why did <laughs> we took their we took their spot? Yeah. What do you think is going to happen if they break up though? Oh Poor Travis. Gosh. Well, I mean, and she's only going to do better because she's going to write some songs and. Amanda and I were talking, um, and I was you know talking to Autumn about it. What would happen if they got married? Do you think yeah. they would sell tickets to their wedding? I would. Yeah. Don't you think it'd be like an American royal wedding? Like, wouldn't it have that type of gravitas and that type of pull? It could, but again, I think people would become very cynical if it seemed too, if it's too much like... Too forced? Too formal, too forced, too much pomp and circumstance, too much like a parade. Are you rooting for love? Are you rooting for this romance through work? Oh, I don't care one way or the other. Oh, come on. I mean, I think she We all like love. In fact, if if she really wants to be... Maybe I'm not as cynical as I thought. If she was interested in being larger than life... Right? Mm-hmm. If she was interested in being almost truly angelic, if she was interested in becoming a new religion, for for instance, the new what Dianetics, wouldn't uh, she say that she would just simply say, "I'm just married to my music, married to my fans, I'm married to this movement. I'm not mortal in that way. I'm, I don't, I don't think she would do things uh, like get married and sort of kowtow to the to the institutions, these old old institutions that, you know, in many ways her songs kind of push against maybe misogyny and paternalism. Maybe the new original is the old conformist, right? Yeah. We're all pushing against all of those boundaries. We've all been, and maybe the new original is yeah. actually just What's coming old home. is coming, coming back. back right? Right? What's old is new coming back. back. Yeah, it's possible. Um, no, I look, I, uh, I'm rooting for it as, as a father and, and you're a father, your, your daughter's a fan, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's expensive being the, the father of a, a fan. I wouldn't say she's a fanatic yet or a Swifty, but she's certainly a fan. She doesn't know all the songs yet. She doesn't know every detail, but she's getting there. She's only nine. I would categorize mm-hmm. my kid as a, as a Swifty, but yeah. I'd, I'd be curious to see 
uh, what our what our good doctor friend yeah, has to say I don't, about I don't what, know a what a Swifty is. Yeah, actually, like what what qualifies one? And I'd love our listeners to mm-hmm. weigh in. Yeah, yeah, please comment. What qualifies on the show. one as a Swifty? Yeah. You know, my daughter told me sort of an eye opener. She said um, she doesn't like having to be uncomfortable because I might be annoyed by her running down and screaming about a song. And uh, I took that to heart. I said, yeah, that's that's not fair. Nobody should have to feel worried or think they're annoying somebody in their own home. And uh, I was like, all right, I get that. So and I, I thought about some of my um, darker moments. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, your own antics and oh, celebrations. Oh, no, no. They're, well, I wouldn't call them antics, you know. You throw a pillow or something or scream. Oh, it, while you're watching it's, the it's game, not it's antics. not going your way. I mean, I know you're familiar with that as, oh, a, as a Duke as a, fan. As a Green Bay Packer fan, I'm very unfamiliar with that. I thought you were talking about being a Giants fan. No, no, no. You mean basketball. Uh, well, basketball, especially because it's so continuous, right? Like yeah. every play, every second, it's like, Absolutely. no, yes, no. Yeah. So, um, so I thought about that. I so, said, yeah, you know, th- is there anything that you in your life have that you would Say you're as passionate about as a Swifty. I'm slightly passionate about Green Bay, right? I've, well, my wife has spent a lot of money to send me to Green Bay for my 50th birthday celebration. My wife is kind enough to have bought me lots of Green Bay swag, including some of the expensive jerseys. Uh, I do watch religiously. I I do still admittedly keep up with Aaron Rodgers and what's going on with him. He um, is the uh, he is the antihero. I, I follow, absolutely. <laughs> I follow the... Jordan Love. I know a little bit about I like his past. I know that his I know about his past struggles and. I, know that he lost either his mom and or his dad early in life mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of pain there and the kid uh, yeah i'm rooting for him yeah i don't know i don't know if i'd call myself a fanatic would you like, fly I, would you plan a vacation around a packer game 100 percent. yeah I, I don't i don't know it depends on how you define it right like i have all sorts of tattoos all over my body for sports teams yeah, that's uh, a little fanatical yeah i mean i'm a, I'm a huge fan of mm-hmm. uconn husky basketball uh, i won't know. argue with anybody about who's the greatest quarterback or what's the greatest NFL team. Yeah, you do. I'm not going like, to get argue in a all heated, the time like, about. I'm not going to get in a shouting match. No, I'm not going like, to get upset. Fight about it, right? no, I'm not going to get upset. I mean, there are people that, you know, fight about we'll it. Well, actually get upset. Yeah, like soccer are, hooligans. People that put money on it, right? Like knowing their team is terrible one year and put a bunch of money on their team to win. Yeah, that's just weird. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, that's just weird. But maybe, uh, maybe the connection people feel to individuals and artists is just different i mean the purpose of art is connection and to make people feel something the purpose of sport i would argue is more pure entertainment and so maybe it's just not possible to feel that level of passion and commitment now that's for american sports i will say like have you seen welcome to wrexham Mm -hmm. i will i will say that i do feel that emotional connection that people have to football teams yeah um to wrexham to, to wrexham uh, but to, to all of their their football teams. It makes you wonder, like Wrexham, you know, that premiered on television a couple of years ago when Ryan Reynolds and uh, the kid from um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Rob McElhenney. Yeah, Rob McElhenney, when they purchased the team. And that thing was well-produced. That was a really fun show. I think it's still going on, right? Yeah, second season. Yeah. And I remember just kind of falling in love with the whole idea, the team, like the players. Like I really got invested. And I, I, I recall sort of taking a – a moment to reflect and asking myself, why do I feel this way? You know, is it, is it the documentary style interview of the people in the pub? Is it the fact they had just average fans on camera that made me feel like I could be one of those. If only somebody would come to my small town and, and, and purchase a team. Like I I, think it, it reminds me of something in philosophy slash psychology that a handful of people have been experimenting with, um, investigating, called uh, essentialism, right? It's sort of a magical type thinking. And, and many developmental psychologists believe that we're born with this tendency, this proneness to think in this essentialistic, almost superstitious kind of way. And hear me out. Have you ever thought about um, if you were really, really cold, I mean, you were freezing, you were going to get frostbite, right? Like you were at the Kansas City game last weekend. 20-something people had to be hospitalized or treated for frostbite. And you didn't have a jacket. And there was a, um, an opportunity to wear a really a nice jacket. But the only problem was that a serial killer um, had worn that jacket. You know, would you, would you put it on yeah. to keep yourself from being cold? Well, there are plenty of people that would say, no, I'll just rather freeze. Vice versa. If um, you were 
at an estate sale and there was a verified Yukon national champion Kimball Walker jersey. It was verified. You absolutely knew Kimball Walker had worn that jersey. Not maybe in the game, but he had worn it in practice warm-ups. Mm-hmm. And it was on sale for $2,000. Would you purchase it if you had 2000 spare dollars? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Yeah, most people would yeah. if they're if they're fan, sure. right? Yeah. And so, but what is it about that jersey uh, that makes it worth $2,000? What is it about that that jacket that the serial killer wore that makes it so bad that you, you wouldn't even stay warm? Well, I, I say this only to say that essentialism is this idea that things have essences that transcend the physical realm, that transcend logic, right? That, that once you are standing close to someone famous, then their essence becomes a part of you in, in some small way. And if you're lucky enough to actually get to talk to them, you get more of their essence. And if you're lucky enough for them to touch you, like shake their hand with them, with them uh, you get more. And if you're lucky enough to take something with you that they have used a pencil a coin a jacket then it's even bigger right so the significance of these icons these heroes might grow in our minds the closer we literally get to them or at least the closer we get to them psychologically we feel like we're closer to them I think television brings people close, yeah. music brings people close, but also I was thinking about Taylor Swift. She was on social media when she was young. She was on YouTube. She has she has a record of interacting with fans throughout her career, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when she was yeah, a teenager, yeah. she was literally tweeting at people. She was literally like um, instant messaging people. From my understanding, there was a chance if you were a, a Taylor Swift fan in the beginning, you could actually talk to her. Like there was a, there yeah, was a sure. she would answer you. Yeah. And I think that makes it more real, more authentic and makes you feel like you really are a part of the group and that you're more special than you ever thought you were. I can't, I can't worship Aaron Rodgers quite the same way. If I, if I loved him, he's not going to write me back. He's not going to answer an email. He's not going to even step over to the side. If I make it down to the field at a game and have a conversation with me, right? We certainly aren't going to vaccinate you. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's going to take some grand luck for me to come come in contact with an Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. He's not the kind of guy that's probably even going to hang around Green Bay, Wisconsin when he's not in the, uh, in season, but Taylor Swift. Yeah. You just get that. You get that from her that she's ordinary. She's um, just an average person with an immense amount of talent, immense amount of, influence and fame yeah and so her her swifties probably feel like there's a part of her in them yeah essentialistically well bringing uh bringing it full circle Mm -hmm. i think uh, um i think those two things are are really uh connected um i like the concept of essentialism i think that's really interesting Mm. Uh, and i think for me there's there's just an element of of um realism you know the, the reason i like the show uh, the Wrexham show, the reason I've learned to appreciate this cultural moment that we find ourselves in is because I understand or can understand what it is to go through any trial, any the tribulation, struggle, what it takes. I, and then to see people persevering through that, to Come out see the them side. using it to better themselves yeah. and to better the world. I think that's a that's just something yeah. I think every human being sort of connects with but um hey let's uh let's bring on our our doctor friend and on the other side we'll come back um i'm excited to hear what this guy has to say and then uh let's wrap up with our diagnosis yeah let's do that there how's it going hey david thanks for agreeing to do this i actually thought of you first thing when i decided that i wanted to do this my buddy who is a colleague of mine who teaches political science and history he has this thing for taylor swift he blames it on his daughters but secretly i think he likes listening to the music i think he likes going to the concerts he's been to sofi stadium a couple times i think he mentions 
mentions as much uh, earlier in this episode. When I saw the news release about, you know, your community college offering the uh, class, I thought I got to find out who's doing this and get in touch with him and see if I can add him to our episode. Roxborough, is that right? Yes, Roxborough. About, about where is that located uh, relative to Raleigh? Okay, so we're probably just a little over an hour from Raleigh. So I live in Durham, so okay. I commute from Durham. So I'm about 40, about 40 minutes. It's about a 40-minute commute. You put another 20 minutes, you got Raleigh. So, so we're about a, an hour from Raleigh. So yeah, you're probably um, two and a half, three hours from us here in Wilmington. Yeah, because well, we we've gone to some some PD at UNCW and things like that. It takes okay. us about three hours from here. Yeah, yeah, two and a half, three hours. Taylor Swift course, huh? I mean, isn't she rich, David? Enough? Doesn't she have enough exposure? Why a Taylor Swift course, man? She absolutely is definitely a wealthy woman from last uh you know that's now kind of emerged. She's now a billionaire. That's right. Um. So, so the, the thing is, well, she's not going to profit any necessarily off of this course, but it, it's, it's more or less just kind of looking at this cultural phenomenon that's kind of like a once in a lifetime thing. So, you know, Bruce Springsteen and lots of other folks, Billy Joel have kind of likened this the, to Beatlemania or at the very least like Michael Jackson, 1984 with Thriller. Mm -hmm. This is the, la I mean, this is the first time we've seen this type of domination from one person since at the very least Michael Jackson and th the Thriller era. It's kind of looking at what exactly is it about this woman that has so many people just in, in you know, just entranced, you know, music looking at you know she's now kind of dabbled into the, the era's film so just looking at her business savvy I mean there's just so much nuance and dynamics kind of at play here so she's a, a very interesting person to kind of unwrap and kind of see what's really kind of going on there so so ultimately I, that's why I would say why Taylor Swift because there's so much to unpack there well you raise an interesting question and I'm not sure if you actually answer that question in your class and and perhaps I'm being a little premature by asking you but what do you think it is can you can you boil it down to one thing that sort of separates her dominance compared to say a Michael Jackson um, is there one thing so many different aspects of her that that are interesting. Like I, I, I in particular kind of gravitate. I'm an English guy, so English okay. is my background. So I kind of gravitate toward the songwriting. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, she herself would probably say she's not the best vocalist. Like I mean, you compare her to a Beyonce. Beyonce's got significantly more range, but you know, she's well, gonna knock it out of the. The, the ballpark with the songwriting and the business acumen. Right. This, this just, is what just, I was suggesting to my co-host. I said, look, do you really believe she's as good as Adele? And he said, well, no, lyrically, she's not that good. I mean, she's not vocally. Maybe she doesn't have the range of someone like Adele, but yeah, she just seems to be amazing in so many, in so many areas. Right. Particularly right. this, this songwriter. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, vocal range, you know, Adele obviously is going to supersede her Beyonce. Mm -hmm. But then again, when you bring the songwriting in, it's just like she's going to continuously. And even Adele herself has kind of said she's like the songwriter of our generation. Now, what would you say to the critics? And I'm sure you've heard them, maybe not about your course in particular, but you can't turn the news on without hearing someone complain about uh, woke liberal ideology, particularly in academia. You know, what would you say to someone who says, look, isn't this just another example of the dumbing down of higher education? I mean, a cultural studies course, David, Taylor Swift. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'm, I, you know, I have heard a fair share of that about this course and, you know, others like that. And I welcome anyone to, you know, join the course or, you know, look at the syllabus because, you know, being in education myself 17 years, I know, I knew when I made this course, there was going to be criticism, there was going to be stuff left and right about that. So I come correct at all times yeah. when I develop a course. So this is, I would say it's probably going to be one of the more rigorous courses that we offer at this college. Um, there's, it is extremely writing intensive, um, lots of critical reading. I think I have 71 or 72 articles in the class alone. It is very rigorous, very writing intensive, very reading intensive. And essentially, like I've explained to, to folks, Taylor Swift is simply the vehicle that I am choosing to use to teach critical reading, 
um, writing, you know, explication, critical thinking. She's okay. just the vehicle. I could yeah. choose anybody. We could do the Beatles. Some people use Hum 120 and to do like a study abroad. Okay. There's lots of ways that you can approach this course. She's simply the vehicle. I mean, it's just one of them. It could be anybody. I so, just happened to be a Swifty. And okay. I said, hey, why not develop this cool course? I see everybody else doing it. And she's just simply the vehicle um, that we are using for some really critical reading and, and thinking. Well, I'm glad you brought up that term Swifty. I want to unpack that a little bit here uh, for my audience who may have heard the term Swifty, but don't, don't necessarily know what that means or how that differs from just a, an ordinary fan. But before I ask you that, let me ask you this. Do you have to be a Swifty? Do you have to even be a fan of Taylor Swift to come in and take a course like this Humanities 120 Cultural Studies, Taylor's version? Absolutely. You do not have to be. And I would encourage people that are dissenters or like who really are incredulous and questionable. I, I don't get the hype. What's so special? Um, because one thing that I try and do, the same thing when I teach an English course, is mm -hmm. you look at the opposition. So there's plenty of criticism in the course of people mm -hmm. who have critiqued her work, um, you know, song, everything from songwriting to image to you know, is she trying to be woke to accommodate, you know, a particular audience? You know, we're, right. we're going to look at all of those things in the course. So whether you're a Swift fan or, you know, you're, you kind of question the legitimacy of this, this superstardom, I mean, really, there's something in there for everybody. Nice, nice. So back to this notion of Swifty. Um, you call yourself a Swifty. What does it mean to you, David? So Swifty is essentially the term for for the, those diehard fans, those hardcore fans. So mm -hmm. you've got the, the Beyonce, they call themselves the Beehive, the BTS, they have the Army. Um, so, you know, each kind of artist kind of has their, 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 their hardcore followers. Yeah, that just happens to be the, what they call the Swift fans, as the Swifties. And when you think of a Swifty, who do you think of? I mean, obviously yourself, what is it about you that you think separates you from just a, a run-of-the-mill fans? I, I, those that, you know, like, like myself, have all the albums okay. on to the tours. You know, I was in line in that Ticketmaster queue all day long for 10 hours waiting for those tickets. I got nosebleed seats, but I was there. I was there. And essentially, it's just somebody that, you know, just that that intensity is there. So, yeah. you know, um, just just always rooting for and I can't wait for the next album. I would say that pretty much separates the Swifties from the kind of the, the run of the mill fan. So you've been to at least one of her concerts. Are you planning one of the international trips for the second leg of the Herrera's tour? I have to ask. I that. am. I am not. It? And here, okay. here's here's what I would say with that. So mm -hmm. I prefer kind of like the the Adele, the intimate four thousand seat venue in Vegas. I hate crowds with okay. passion. Um, she is the only artist that I would go to a stadium to. And I was actually, I went to the one in Nashville. I went to the Sunday show. That was mm -hmm. the first rain show that she had. It poured down rain. The show started at 9.30 um, and it lasted, I think I got back to the hotel a little after 2 a.m. Wow. Um, but she did the complete three and a half hour set in the rain. In the rain. And probably never made an excuse, never complained. Never. Yeah, she almost never impressive. cancels a date for, you know, scorching heat, which just happened in Brazil, to rainstorms. I mean, she powers through. So you're teaching a course at a community college. I think in the WRAL piece that was done, you said you think this might be the first of its kind in the community college system. Certainly in North Carolina, we know it is. I'm sure you're aware. I think you even mentioned this in that piece that this course has been offered by many universities and colleges, both here in America and abroad. It's even being offered in law school now, business school. What might you say that would separate this course at the community college level from some of these others that maybe people have heard about? One of the things is I saw, you know, there's places like NYU and yeah. Harvard and some of these top tier institutions have kind of put on versions of this course. And one thing, you know, my entire higher ed career has been in community college. I'm a huge advocate for the community college, the open door, you know, the whole concept of the open door. We meet sure. people where they are. Um, and so with this particular course, by offering it online, can get folks 
here can get folks outside of the service area. You're in Montana and want to take a class. Hey, it's open. You can you can do that. So in the community college, we're more about access and opportunity than maybe some of the other institutions. And so just wanted to make something that you can't get on Harvard's wait list. Well, you can take it here. Um, we're, we're covering some similar material. Might be a little bit different, but ultimately the focus is, is same. I mean, you'll get that critical reading. You're going to get the critical thinking. You're going to do the intensive writing, the research paper, the same types of things that you would have. But again, just opening up that access and opportunity for folks um, that otherwise would not have it. Very nice. So you don't have to be privileged or a VIP or know someone who knows someone in order to, to get close to, to Taylor Swift in your course. Right. Absolutely. Now, David, do you have a favorite Taylor Swift song or a favorite Taylor Swift album? Uh, I would, that, that one's tough for me, and it may vacillate from day to day, but I would have to say the all too well 10 minute version. That is probably my all time favorite song. It's just, it's amazing. Um, so song wise, I would go with that album wise. 1989 is, is a classic and then folklore evermore, the kind of more brooding, um, mm -hmm. you know, contemplative, the pandemic albums. I see. I see. She's now, got such a, such a range. So it's, it's hard, but I would probably go with either of those. So now I'm going to ask you something uh, that, that might make you uncomfortable. Okay. Tell me something dark or sinister or seedy about her. Hmm. Well, one thing she even, there's lots of folks that, um, you know, you kind of mentioned the authenticity earlier. There are some people, particularly back in the, the, the days of the Kanye scandal with mm -hmm. Kim Kardashian, they questioned the authenticity of her. Um, you know, they called her a snake. And so, you know, she went away. She thought her career was ended because basically she had this reputation of Miss Americana. That's the name mm -hmm. of her, the name of her Netflix special, Miss Americana. But um, she she built her brand on this, this good girl next door um, mm -hmm. image. And then basically they leaked excerpts from this tape and a lot of people questioned that they were having a Taylor Swift is over party on Twitter at the time. And she's kind of to get in front of that. You know, she later the tape came out and she kind of exonerated herself. But for a while there, there were a lot of people who were not on her side. And she kind of left the public eye for over a year. And then she came out with reputation where she comes out with, you know, she's using that snake imagery and she's just owning this. Yeah, leaning into it. Like a villain. There's definitely kind of kind of that where there's this camp that definitely questioned the legitimacy of that. And she's gotten lots of criticism for being meticulous and shrewd, um, very business savvy, things I would associate as positive. You know, a lot of people kind of, you know, down her on that and say, well, it's calculating. Of course, uh, I guess I don't need to tell you, but one of her songs that I actually like, my daughter's nine and she's turned me on to Taylor Swift over the past six months to a year is if I were a man or if I were the man, the man, yeah, I think that kind of speaks to that, right? If, if I were the man, I could do all these things that's considered macho, considered successful, but because I'm a woman, I'm considered conniving and, and maybe even dangerous and not authentic, but certainly nothing that you've been hearing lately about her being a government psyop or anything crazy like that. You don't buy any of that stuff. No, uh, don't buy any of that. Yeah. What is something, David, that you know about Taylor Swift that you've learned through being a Swifty that maybe most people, maybe even a lot of super fans don't know? Is there anything you can leak here to my audience? Something maybe the audience wouldn't know about her? I'm not sure about that right offhand, but um, one of the things that, you know, again, just with my background being English and, I, mm -hmm. you know, we're always kind of digging deep within, you know, song lyrics and yeah, things what do they like mean? that. What does that mean? You know, one thing that, that I would point out about her, and you can see that in some of her visuals and things like that, but even looking at something as recent as like anti-hero, it's somebody, even though she's, she's got this grand, larger than life kind of personality and just, just, just aura about her, there, there, there's so much vulnerability on display, you know, in, in the most recent album and, and lots of her albums, um, 
being frank, kind of sees herself as an outsider. Um, and then there's this self-deprecating humor. It's um, you know, it's one of those things that she can't the poor thing can't even go out to eat without the paparazzi being out there taking like, you know, pictures. She can't go see the boyfriend without yeah. being on blast on the NFL and everybody having right. commentary about her being shown too much. So yeah. I think there's a lot of vulnerability there and she puts that on display in some of her music, but I think people see, you know, this larger than life person and they they don't think, you know, they don't realize that there's really, a, there's a person there. Yeah, real human. Real human. Yeah. And I think a lot of people miss that just because they, they see this larger than life celebrity. Sure. So does the boyfriend, number 87, Travis Kelsey, tied in for the Kansas City Chiefs. Does he help or hurt her brand in the long term? See, I... You know, it's one of these that as somebody who's just kind of, I've been a fan since the very beginning. So seeing all the types of people she has been, you know, associated with, you know, and some have been confirmed, some not. Um, this is a different type of person for her. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. um, you know, hopefully I just wish her the best. I want to see her happy as I'm sure most, you know, most Swifties want to see it. He's just different, but they seem really good together. Yeah. Um, you know, they're looking at the body language. It looks like they're very into one another. And, yeah. Um, so I think ultimately they're they're supporting one another from what little bit we we can see and what little mm -hmm. bit we know. But um, you know, certainly wish her and Travis the best. They they look like a, a good couple, and I yeah. hope it works out. Yeah. Certainly, um, it looks like he's benefiting. Um, I think yeah. his jersey has been the number one jersey in the NFL on NFL.com since uh, they were. Confirmed to be a couple. Well, David, with a few minutes left, let me ask you a couple things uh, to sort of round this out. And again, I do appreciate your time. I know you're busy there at the college. Startup is probably right around the corner for you guys, January 30th, something like that. Yeah, we're starting in about two, little less than two weeks now. Yeah. So down this way, we've already been at it for about two weeks. Um, yeah. Hopefully, and that means we can get out a little bit earlier. Yeah, What's most that? of the guys have been in session for two weeks. This is yeah. a you know, Taylor's number is 13, so it had to be a 13-week course. I hear you. That's awesome. So pitch the course, David. Um, sell your course. Think about an elevator pitch or a bumper sticker. Like, how would you sort of pitch your course to people who are thinking about taking it? So ultimately, in 2023, and as we're now in 2024, Taylor Swift is this inescapable figure. Whether you like her, whether you don't, she is everywhere. She is omnipresent. So what is the big fuss, question mark? Um, why is she everywhere? Why is her music so ubiquitous? Why is the era's tour the biggest tour of all time? Um, you know, why, why, why? So this course is, you know, no matter how you feel about her, um, it's basically a course that's designed for everyone to basically, you know, start picking apart the the shroud of mystery that is Taylor Swift. So we'll look at things like gender. We'll look at identity. We'll look at politics. We're going to look at all sorts of things. Um, but basically, you know, Taylor Swift is the vehicle through which we kind of do all those things. So it's going to be an exciting course, really good time, um, but very writing intensive, very reading heavy. So come prepared, um, but ready to have fun too. David, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, 2024 for president. In my office back here, you will see. Oh, maybe. my. Taylor yep. Swift, 2024. So you'd vote for her, huh? Absolutely. Too bad she's not old enough. She's 34. You got to be I, 35. I, 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 asked, I asked the political scientist himself, my co-host, Nelson Bowyer, that very question earlier in this episode. And he okay. said, he said she absolutely can because... The Constitution says you have to be 35 at the time of inauguration. Ah, and if, so I, and if I'm not right, I think I'm right. Her birthday's what? December 13th, something like that? Yes, yeah, so her birthday's in December. So, so she squeaks she right in there. She squeaks right in there. David, anything else you want my audience to know about you, the school, or this Taylor Swift course before we go? Um, just thank you for the opportunity to chat today. And if anybody wants any information about the course, um, you know, we're here in Roxborough, North Carolina. Um here at Piedmont Community College. We'll be happy to answer any questions you might have. But like I said, like Taylor Swift or not, this course is all about unpacking the why is she everywhere and ultimately kind of unpacking that impact that she's having on culture.
Dr. David Townsend, ladies and gentlemen, Dean of Transfer and General Education at Piedmont Community College in Roxburgh, North Carolina, and the current professor of what may just be the first community college course on Taylor Swift, Humanities 120, Cultural Studies, Taylor's Version. David, thank you for your time, man. Thank you. I would be complex. I would be cool. They say I played the field before I found someone to commit to. Good stuff. Good stuff. Welcome back, Nelson. Uh, what'd you think of the interview? That was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, again, thank you, Dr. Townsend. And uh, thank you, Piedmont Community College in little old Roxbury, North Carolina. Do you ever wonder if we're all just like fake in the funk? Like, yeah. is this really an academic pursuit? We're talking about... Uh, a, a cultural icon. Hey, look, and he's, he, he's, uh, I thought that was interesting. No, he's convinced I thought that me. was interesting. He's convinced me. And I didn't realize that community colleges up and down North Carolina have this opportunity to teach a cultural studies course. And I guess they can make it their own. His course, again, is a Humanities 120 Cultural Studies uh, Taylor's version. Taylor. How about that? 1989. Yeah, Taylor's version. Hey, That's so listen, cool. when I was a kid, I lived uh, right next to Middletown, Connecticut, in a town called Portland. Mm -hmm. And Middletown is where uh, Wesleyan uh, College is, Wesleyan okay, University. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Wesleyan had a course, uh, and I believe still has a course, on uh, the Wizard of Oz. Oh, really? And all the allegory and the history. The characters. Uh, yeah. within, the, within Wizard. Um, all the different theories about what wizards really about. Like some people think it's a feminist tale, mm -hmm. right? Because all the men are so flawed and the women are the powerful characters. Yeah, yeah. There's all these different plays on it. Um, cowardly lines, not really cowardly at all. I think 50 years from now, a hundred years from now, you know, people are still going to find this moment endlessly fascinating. There's going to be classes about it. Do you know what I did for my daughter for Christmas? I told you I got her the tickets, right? You know mm -hmm. what else we did? What'd you do? Taylor Swift was named, um, Times Person of the Year. That's right. I went and I got a Time magazine. I nice. got two. Yeah. I got two. I got one that she could read. And one she could put away. And then I got one framed. Um, Very nice. Matted and framed. And I was just thinking, you know, that's one of those things. It's like having original tickets to Woodstock yeah. or something where 20 years from now, if it, after I'm gone, yeah. that's something she'll give her grandkids. Yeah. Yep, this is... Mom went twice, or grandma went twice, and, you know, this was 2023. This was the Harris tour right here. This is person of the year. Sure. So, uh, all that said, my friend, we need uh, a diagnosis for the Harris tour and the Swift effect and the whole shebang, man. What do you think? Well, I know that you like to ask me whether or not something is schizophrenic or something is psychotic. And again, let me preface this by saying this is all in good fun. I am in no way um, suggesting that Taylor Swift nor her influence is, in fact, a diagnosable psychological <laughs> disorder. Nor am I making fun or making light of people who have real psychological disorders. However, uh, I think this is a moment I would like to diagnose the swift effect with a psychotic condition okay i want to give it shared delusional disorder i've never heard of it i was going to say mania but so okay. shared delusional disorder um it's a psychotic disorder uh, that involves um one or more deeply ingrained false beliefs um that one person usually with a great deal of influence has over another so for instance you could be born to a mother who was experiencing, or father for that matter, experiencing um, delusions. These delusions could be any number of delusions. Persecutory, they could be um, really flamboyant and... Um, um, Megalomania. Uh, megalomania yeah. delusions. Yeah, they could, they could be... Megalomaniacal. They could be any number of delusions, right? Mm -hmm. Persecutory or euphoric. Or, sure. But those delusions get passed on socially. Not biologically, they get yes, passed mm. on socially to, say, the child, right? A great example of this um, in popular culture would be from the movie. The one was uh, Bill Paxton in a movie with Matthew McConaughey called Frailty. Never seen it. Certainly <laughs> a shared delusional disorder there. At any rate, um, I believe that, yeah, there's this mass shared delusion about Taylor Swift's importance, about Taylor Swift's power, about Taylor Smith, uh, Swift's talent, for sure. We've already talked about whether or not she really is that good vocally. There is this 
thing now that is deeply ingrained, deeply entrenched in our zeitgeist, and it seems to be spreading. But the good news is it's a nice counter to our politics, isn't it? I think it's a nice uh, counter to our everything yeah, right it's now. It's a nice counter to all the cynicism, all the doubt, all the anxiety, all the hate. And I could just add, if you believe something, if we all believe something, yeah. doesn't it become true? I could. Right? Yeah. If we all believe that somebody's the yeah. best, then and I tell you, who's to argue? Uh, as someone who's suffered with moments, at least throughout my life, of doubt and insecurity and anxiety and depression, I can tell you that I would much much rather be consumed by and obsessed with something some something positive. Amen. Like, like what Taylor Swift sings about, what Taylor Swift touts, what Taylor Swift represents. Well, as a uh, as a father of a wonderful daughter who is uh who's thriving, who's uh just, you know, really into this this moment. Yeah. Uh I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate that you know, she's learning from somebody who's not me, but who seems grounded, who seems uh, in touch with uh, her emotions, uh, with her fans' emotions, uh, who seems generous. Uh, I I appreciate that that is somebody that she is trying to emulate, and maybe we should all try to emulate that a little bit more. I agree. And why don't we let um, the lady herself, the icon, the artist... Play us out. Play us out. Let's do it. And that would be okay for me to do. Every conquest I had made would make me more of a boss to you. I'd be a fearless leader. I'd be an alpha type. When everyone believes you, what's that like? I'm so sick of running as fast as I can. Wondering if I'd get there quicker if I was a man And I'm so sick of them coming at me again As if I was a man